Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want to ask you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. I appreciate you being here on Wednesday night. I thank you for uh, making yourself available. I believe there's healing in this house. I believe the Word brings healing. And sometimes we don't always know what God is doing or going to do, but he always orders our steps. The Bible said that the steps of a righteous man, they are ordered of the Lord. How many believe that for you? I believe that. I believe that our steps are ordered of the Lord. And so tonight as we prepare our hearts for the word of God, I just want to ask you to Join me in prayer. Father, let our heart be united, yoked together. Let our spirits be in tune. And Lord, let us learn from you, O God. Let your word do a work in us so that you can ultimately do a work through us. We are thankful and we are reminded, God, that you're a God that has never failed us and never will. And all the church will say amen. I want to read tonight out of Luke chapter 2, and I'm sure that you have read out of Luke's gospel this past week, especially seeing how that the, most of the time when we read the Christmas story, it is from this particular passage. But I want to go past the, past, the part where Jesus is born and Uh, wise men catch up with him two years later in the house. And I want to talk about where Jesus is now reached the age of 12 and he has an experience in the temple. And he begins to educate the educators. For he was both God and man at the same time. Somebody say hallelujah. So we can acquaint with him and he can acquaint with us because he is a God that is acquainted with all aspects of our life. This is the thought that God spoke to me is this. And I want you to write this title down. You cannot have purpose without displacement. Let me say that again. You cannot have purpose without displacement. We read out of Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 51, and he went down with them. Now, this is after he leaves the temple, after his mom and daddy were nervous looking for him. They thought that maybe he had hitched a ride with the relatives. And they come back frantic looking for him and found him. And the Bible said that he went down with them. Everybody say he went down. So Jesus went down with them and he came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. Now I know all the parents in the room would be very appreciative of this word because you would tell your child, you're going to do what I say to do. 
And when they say why, you say, because I said so. <laughs> because you have a lot of life experience. And sometimes you don't have time to give a reason. When your child is about to dart into the street, they've got to know by the tone of your voice that you mean business. So you can't always give explanation. Sometimes you are protecting them from people in your own family or protecting them from situations or maybe even protecting them from themselves. And you won't always have the clarity in that moment to be able to decipher the reason. So they have to trust your word. The Bible said that Jesus, who leads in purpose, went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. Now, we would agree that Mary and Joseph is who the Bible is referring to here. He was subject to his parents. And his mother, the Bible says, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, come on, and in favor with who? God and man. So he increased in three ways. Wisdom. The Bible says in the book of uh, Solomon, the Song of Solomon, in the book of Proverbs, and even in the writings of Solomon in Chronicles, where he speaks about wisdom. And Solomon is considered the wisest man that ever lived because when God gave him the option to ask what he wanted, instead of asking for riches, he asked for wisdom to lead God's people. And God said, because you ask for wisdom and not riches, I'll give you both. He was a wealthy somebody. And so I would say that we have learned wisdom is the paramount thing in our life. The Bible said if you need it, ask for it. Buy it if you can. If you lack it, ask for it. Everybody needs some wisdom. Can you say amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're hearing this message because you need some wisdom. So he gained in wisdom, then he gained in stature. That means he grew up. He grew up from the age 12 till we see him at age 30. In that time and in that season, when he didn't have an Instagram account to showcase his life and every meal he ate, Jesus was growing in stature. I wonder if he had an Instagram account would you have seen selfies of him at the gym? Flexing his muscles. Come on, somebody. I, I don't know if that is accurate to describe. But he grew in stature nonetheless. Isn't it like that when you got to the holidays and you saw your little cousins and little folks and you thought, my, how you've grown. Amen? And, and, and you had to be careful with some folk how you addressed them. Sometimes instead of saying complimentary things about him, you just say, well, ain't that something? They were growing in stature. I had an opportunity not long ago to look at my junior high pictures. 
And I speak of this often because you almost wish somebody would have told you. Why didn't someone help me? <laughs> so this is not biblical, but could you just imagine what Jesus looked like in junior high? And the Bible said that he grew in wisdom and he grew in stature and in favor with God and man. Now, the Bible says he came back home and there he is in his own country amongst the people that he grew up with. And you know how it is when you get around the people that knew you then and had little names for you. Pookie. Kiki. Come on, somebody. Had little uh, Junior, Bubba, had names for you. And you thought you'd outlive those names till you get back with your family and the people that know you. And they're always there to remember when. And all the past comes up and they tell the stories of your embarrassing moments. The Bible said that he's amongst the people that he grew up with in the town where he grew up with. And these are the people who could fill in the blanks tonight. And they could tell us what happened with Jesus between the age of 12 and 30. These are the people who could really describe him and say, now there was this one time that he was over here. These are the people he grew up with. They could fill in the blanks. So we don't know what happened in Jesus' life between the age of 12 and 30 amongst those people. But one thing that we could say is they had the skinny on Jesus. They knew everything about him. Look at this passage in Mark chapter 6. And the Bible says in verse 1 that he went out from thence and came into his own country and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Then they asked the question, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joses and Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. For those of you tonight that may have not been a student of the word of God for very long, you didn't realize he had brothers and sisters. But he did. And the crowd and the people there, mostly made up of his relatives, saw the miracles. But they asked the question, isn't this the carpenter's son, Mary's boy? We know him. We've been knowing him a long time. And the Bible said that they became offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. Somebody say, uh-oh. Uh -oh. And the Bible said in verse 5, 
that he could do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and he healed them. And he marveled, not they marveled, he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went around about the villages teaching. Now I've read that passage and I showed you in the first part in Luke 2 that Jesus went on back home, was raised under the subjection of his mom and dad. He still had a purpose on his life, but he had to have time on his side. Time is the great leveler. Destiny is birthed at the intersection of time and opportunity. If you can be at the right place at the right time, opportunity will happen for you. But the Bible says that in his upbringing and in this particular passage here, that he could do only a few mighty works in his home area because of their unbelief. Their unbelief stopped them from being healed by him. I said it like this in my notes. It didn't stop him. It stopped them. Say that with me. It didn't stop him. It stopped them. Say it again. It didn't stop him. It stopped them. We know it didn't stop Jesus because ultimately he would reject them and go into another city and still be who he was. But it limited them from benefiting from knowing who he was because they had to find him in such a limited region that he couldn't help them because they had said. Remember what they said, we know you. You are the carpenter's son. Didn't you fix my plow a year ago? <laughs> a couple years ago, I remember my dad brought his plow over to your daddy. And you worked on the plow and said, yeah, I know, I know you. And your sisters, do we not know your sisters? From whence cometh this wisdom? They couldn't understand him. They couldn't comprehend him. That's what they said. And because that's what they said, they could not be healed from him. They didn't say he wasn't wise because they said, from whence cometh these miracles. They didn't say that he wasn't real because they said, whence cometh these miracles. They had seen the miracles for themselves. And there's something about when you encounter the power of God for yourself. Can nobody talk you out of what you know to be true? So they knew the miracles were real and they didn't understand where the wisdom came from. Can you imagine in the face of such compelling evidence that you would still reject him? And not just that they rejected him, the Bible says they were offended at him. It wasn't just the rejection of him. They had to layer it and go another level and say, now I'm a 
offended. And I have to ask myself the question, how can you be offended when he's healing? You mean you're offended at my healing? You're offended at me healing folk? Woo! That's a dangerous place when you sit in the church and ostracize and criticize and look over your glasses at folk and act like God could never do nothing for them and act like everybody's phony but you. Oh, hear me. It's a dangerous place to be right in the middle of the presence of God and not be able to receive the healing power of the Lord. For the Bible said that he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. You see, some of you right now have made your life's goal to win somebody who doesn't like you. And you don't even realize that they don't like you. You are trying and struggling, trying to get somebody to pay you some attention and to like you. And you are oblivious to the fact that they are rude and that they have kept a stiff arm in your direction. You keep trying to figure out why they don't like you. You don't have to do anything wrong for people to dislike you. Woo, let me preach from the pastoral ministry side. You don't have to do anything wrong. And some folk will hate you because they ain't you. And anytime, I want to say this, that you hold a standard and live by the principles of the Word of God, some folk are going to have an issue with you. Some of your own family will say, well, who are you trying to be? Oh, you better than us now, aren't you? Uh-huh. Look at you all holy, going to church and praising the Lord. Lord, we see you, but we still remember you. Come on, somebody. Who are you trying to be now? You have to remember that God calls you what he makes you. And you may have started out a sinner, but the word of God said that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I don't have to look back over my shoulder and reminisce and think down about my upbringing or down about what I came out of. The fact is that he brought me up out of a horrible pit and he established my coming in and my going out and he has made the way clear. Is there anybody got a testimony tonight and say, you don't know what I was like. You, you don't remember what I had to go through. You, you didn't know the horror story. They could write a book. They could put a movie about what I had to go through. But I'm not what I was. Listen, some folk gonna hate you and have an issue with you because that's the way people are wired. People want to have something to complain about. They want to have something to criticize about. They want to have something to bump their gums about. Ooh, I wish I could preach here. And then they start saying stupid stuff. Stupid stuff like this. Look at him. Look at him. He, he thinks he's something. He thinks he's something. What does that even mean? How do you know what he thinks? Are you a mind reader? What makes you an authority on what's going on in someone's head? And what's wrong with thinking that I'm something? <laughs> I got somebody to tell somebody I am something. But don't get it twisted. I am something. I am something you're going to miss. Oh, 
I'm something you're going to miss because I am more than how you see me. And as soon as I can get with the people, the tribe, the people who see me as I am, it's going to accelerate my passion. And I'm going to run on and do what God called me to do because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Ooh, I said for many years, some people hate you because they ain't you. I come to encourage somebody. Don't you come down off the wall to put out the fires of gossip or to, crit- or, or to patronize the people who don't even love you or care about you. I'm here to tell you, people are crazy, and I won't even insult your intelligence tonight. I know you already know that people are crazy. They can do crazy stuff. They have crazy behavior that is so out of character. A few months ago they were committed, dedicated, and now they hit or miss. You don't ever know where they are. Then they try to act like you're the one that did something crazy when you're still faithful, when you're still fruitful, in the same place, doing the same thing for Jesus. I'm just reaffirming what your life's experience have already validated for you that are real. We live amongst people who say you aren't anything you'll never be anything don't forget you win I knew you win but tonight I want to have a discussion with the church I'm not telling you tonight that familiarity breeds contempt no I'm trying to tell somebody that to discover your purpose you will have to lose some people along the way because the cray craze are out and they crazy. Not everyone can go where you're going. When your call for Jesus is great, great will be the falling away of fickle people. You're not being arrogant. You just already know that you don't fit in with everybody. You're focused on the harvest. They're focused on Hollywood. You're focused on giving. They're focused on buying the latest shoes. You're focused on dying to the flesh. They're focused on living their best life. You're focused on pressing in even more in 2023, and they're dropping like flies. Can I teach to somebody tonight? You're focused on winning souls. They're focused on winning the Super Bowl. You're focused on fasting. They're focused on filters on Instagram. You're focused on tithing. They're focused on TikTok. You're focused on serving. They're focused on selfies. You don't fit with everybody. Write this down, I've discovered that you cannot have purpose without displacement. In fact, I want to go further and suggest to you that it is in fact the displacement that pushes you into your purpose. If you can begin to embrace what I'm saying tonight, you will thank them for being offended. You know how many people are offended at me? I don't have ink in a pen enough or a journal enough to tell you how many people in the last 23 years. And I'm not perfect. 
But I've always tried to do right by people and honor people. And I've been called every dirty, nasty name in the world. Been lied about, been talked about, couldn't tell what I knew because I had to protect the guilty. But if you can understand what I'm really saying here, you will thank them for getting offended at you. Because their offense reinforces that you're not of this world. Because if they accepted you, you would settle down and nest with them. <laughs> mm, if you settle down to make your hole with them. You would crawl in next to them. You would build your nest and say, look, I'm one of them. But their offense towards you reaffirms the fact that you cannot allow people who won't line up with the word of God stop you from reaching your destiny in Christ Jesus. Can I get any help in here? I don't care who it is, your spouse, your friends, your family, your children, your co-workers, on and on. Let me tell you, your country is not of this world. You are a stranger sojourning in a land that does not even look familiar to you. And since Jesus called me, I have been in a constant search for my purpose. That's why I won't settle with this culture. That's why I can't settle with political systems. That's why I can't settle with wokeism. That's why I can't settle with religious systems. That's why I can't settle with a messed up society. My purpose is somewhere beyond the swelling banks of the Jordan. That's why I know I will never fit here in this world because I'm not home yet. I'm passing through this world and I will not and I refuse to be accustomed to this world. Watch this. In John chapter 4, Jesus said, y'all go on down there and get something to eat. I'm going to sit here by the well and wait on this woman to come. I'm paraphrasing. You know that. And when they finally got back, and offered him food. They said, aren't you hungry? And he says, I have meat that you know not of. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. I get out of my purpose what you get out of your food. I get out of my purpose what you Get out of your food. This is what Jesus was saying. Come on, church. I get out of my purpose what you get out of your house. Write that down. Jesus was saying, I get out of my purpose 
what you get out of your house. That's why he said, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head because he was not of this world. Are you with me tonight? The Bible teaches us that he laid his head in the pillow of his shoulders on a cross because it was his purpose. And when you know your purpose, you can lay your head and rest in it. No matter what comes, no matter who comes, no matter what happens, I am never happier than when I am in my purpose. And I'm not saying that your purpose won't lead you through some rough times. But I never am as happy as I am than when I am in my purpose. I never have the energy like I do when I'm doing my purpose. Oh, y'all won't hear what I'm saying. I never have glory like I do when I'm walking in my purpose. And because I am a spiritual being, my spirit only rests when I am in my purpose. Come on, church. Because I am a spiritual being, I live more out of my spirit than I do out of my body or my soul. That's the goal anyway. But because I am a spiritual being, I only really rest when I am fulfilling my purpose. Anything else to me is unsettling. Anything else to me, I feel a little disconnected. Even in places where other people find rest. Because I have meat that you know not of. And I have a house that you cannot see. And I'm building into a kingdom that I shall soon inherit when this life here is over. I am only comfortable when I am doing the thing that I was created for. Do you hear me tonight? And the Bible said that not only did they reject him, they got offended at the healer. Offended is a big word today. Everybody's offended. We have to change names of products because everybody offended. Come on. Come on, diverse congregation. We got to tiptoe around each other now. Don't want to offend each other. The Bible said, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. You are in love with the word of God, you won't be easily offended. Look at somebody right there who you know is offended. I mean, go ahead and make them uncomfortable and say, quit living offended. Offended means they were insulted. Your desire to live on the level of your capacity insults people who are satisfied where they are. They don't want you to succeed. Because if you succeed, all the excuses they've been using all these years suddenly no longer hold water. Stay with me. I got something for you tonight. They find your zeal irritating. 
You don't fit. How dare you come from the same place that I come from and you trying to be more? And I'm offended because your success reminds me of what I could have been had I pushed myself a little more. Come on, stay with me. They were offended and he was healing them. They were offended and he was ministering to them. They were offended and he was teaching them. You can be right up under the anointing and have the spirit of offense. Why is it that we push away who we need and hold on to who we don't need? Two things shocked me out of this chapter of Mark. In the text, Jesus said there's something he cannot do. I talked to you a little bit about that. His inability to perform on the level that he had in chapter 5 was stifled by their perception of him in chapter 6. He couldn't perform on the level he wanted to. He could do no mighty work. In chapter 5, he was mighty. But in chapter 6, their unbelief stifled what he could do for them. Ooh, have you ever come into a service and you had unbelief in your heart and unbelief in your spirit and mad at everybody? and mad at the church, and mad at your neighbor, and mad at your spouse, you fought all the way here. Let me just encourage you. You better let go of that stuff because your unbelief can keep you from receiving the miracle that God wants to release to you. Don't let it be said of you that God could do no mighty work in your house because you were always offended. The second thing Write this down. He marveled at their unbelief. So number one, this shocked me. He couldn't do anything mighty among them any more than he had done except heal a few sick folk. You know what the Bible said? Come here, sickly. Tell me, I got enough. I'll give you. But he couldn't do what he wanted to do. He couldn't do in your house and in your marriage what he wanted to do because you sat in unbelief. I ain't going to that marriage conference. Bless God, now that they've given me the date, I'm going to book me something out of town. I already know. Sitting in unbelief. Wondering why mighty works aren't being done in our house. He marveled at their unbelief. Now you say that's something when you can get Jesus to marvel. Look at the Bible says in verse 6. He marveled because of their unbelief and he, had to, he went around about the villages teaching. So it lets me know that he didn't stay there with them folk. He just kept it moving. And there are a few times in scripture that it says that Jesus marveled. And generally, when it says that he marveled, 
it's referencing that he marveled at their faith, the faith of the Gentiles, one reference. There's another time where he marveled at the centurion's faith, for he had not found so great a faith in all of Israel. So every other time Jesus marvels, he marvels at faith. But at home, but at home, but at home, he marvels at their unbelief. Everywhere else, he marvels at their faith. But when he got back to his home, folk, when he got back with his people, all he could marvel at was their unbelief. Some of you are sitting here tonight thinking, that's my family. Lord, I don't even want to be related to these people. How did I even end up in that mess? I'm preaching to somebody tonight. But God, who is omniscient, and God, who knows everything, says, you shock me. He marveled at them. I'm amazed that you could be so familiar with something and not have faith. I'm amazed that you could be around me all these years from 12 to 30. See the miracles I've done. But because you're so familiar with me, you've lost your respect and reverence for me. And I can't do no mighty work for you. Mm, 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 mm. I marvel how much you have not changed for everything that you've been exposed to and I have sent you. I sent my best preachers to you. I spent my best prophets to you. I'm shocked that you could come to church every Sunday and be no better than you are right now. Still backslidden. Still cold and indifferent. Still craving the things of the world more than the things of God. Of all that you've been exposed to and I've sent you and the opportunities I gave you for the word to speak to you, I'm shocked at your under. I'm shocked that you could get to this place in your life and then say, I'm going to divorce you because you don't make me happy. I'm shocked. Jesus is saying, how could you? How could you not grow? He later says, the other cities will rise up one day and condemn you because they did so much more with so less. And you had everything. It's quiet in here. You know why it got quiet? Because everybody's like the disciples at the Last Supper saying, Lord, is it me? (laughs) And you know, that's not a bad thing to challenge yourself to say, what have I done with what I've been given? Because God is saying, I'm shocked that you didn't do more with what I gave you. 
that you would be at this point in your 30s or your 40s and you have done no more. Jesus said, I marvel at your unbelief. I marvel that you insist on being blind. I marvel that you still got a temper and punch holes in drywall. I marvel that you still walk around in depression. I marvel that you could go to church every Sunday and be exposed and you know all about me and you can quote scripture, but you don't live it. Come on, somebody. You know you have made everything about you instead of about him. I know, he says, I can, he says, I know who you are. You say, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in Christ, but my God shall supply my need according to his riches and glory. And yet when you need something, you have a big breakdown and tell all your business on Facebook. And yet you quote these scriptures and then you put these emojis. I'm depressed. I have a special request I'm not going to say. You're just asking for people to say, what's wrong? DM me, girl. DM me. Because you want to tell it. That's what your life has become. You, you draw something from it. Whatever's lacking in you craves the attention that people give you. For you to wallow in dysfunction. So I'm glad I'm not being voted on tonight. Jesus said, I marvel because you are familiar with me, but you don't know me. You don't know what I would do for you if you would believe. You don't know what I would change if you would believe. You don't know how I would work on your behalf if you would believe. You don't know what I would touch in your life if you would believe. You don't know how I would move mightily in your life if you would just believe. Jesus said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to change the strategies for you. He said, I'm going to change the strategy. He said, I'm going to change the strategy. He's at home. He's amongst his home people. He says, and here's what I'm going to do. The Bible said he called the 12 together and he said to them, they won't receive me. They won't receive what I have for them because they're familiar with me. Therefore, a prophet is without honor in his own country so I'm going to take what's on me and I'm going to put it on you. And I'm going to send you out in my name. And they will receive the gift because they don't recognize the giver. Somebody say amen. So the Bible said that he's now going to send us out. And you and I are going to be him in disguise. We're going to lay hands on the sick. We're going to raise the dead. And he says, I'm going to do the work through you. Somebody that God is using ought to open their mouth right now and give praise to the Lord. Because he's been good to you. I declare unto you tonight that Jesus is taking up residence in BFWC and those who follow him. So instead 
of redecorating a home or buying new furniture or spending your money on landscape. Jesus said, I'm going to put all the glory that I could put on a home. I'm going to put it on you and you will glorify me in a wicked world, in a just world. See, when God puts something on you, it is for somebody. It sometimes is for you, but most of the time, it's for somebody else. He is loving them. He is teaching them. He is healing them. That's why you got to go in Jesus' name and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. The foxes have dens. The birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So I'm going to lay my authority on you. And then we say things like, I can't go. i got to be at Macy's. I There's a sale going on. Church runs too long. I don't know what I'm going to do. Honey, I'm going to text you during service. As soon as he says, the, as soon as they get to the organ, you go get the kids. <laughs> and God said, what I could have done through you, what I could have done for you, what I wanted to do for you. It's not you anyway. Christ in you, the hope of glory. As soon as you open yourself up so that God can use you, you will be able to walk into situations where people have given up hope. And you will feel about them the way God feels about them. And you will displace some things so that your purpose can come to pass. Why isn't this church filled on Wednesday night? Why is it that people can make it to choir practice on Monday, but can't make it to church on Wednesday? He said it. Why is it that we can be where we want to be instead of where we should be? I sent out an appeal. I send out text messages. I said, please be here. It's the last service of the year. Please be here. Maybe you're just too familiar with me. I shouldn't have to beg anybody to do what they should already be doing. I was raised, I was raised better than that. Oh, he went pastoral on us. Yeah, I did. I did. We need somebody in our life to call us up a little bit. Come on now. I got family plans. I got this, that, and the other. Oh, what I would have done for you. What mighty work I would have performed. I think that's why 
part of the scripture when Jesus said, will I find faith when I come? Will I find faith when I come? See, this is the day we're in right now. We've made accommodations all along the way. The last 23 years, Bethel has shifted and moved and looked for ways to expand and try to give people opportunity to have balance in their life. I remember when we were doing two services on Sunday morning and Sunday night service, prayer meeting on Monday or Tuesday, midweek service, Friday night, something else. And we never struggled to have a crowd. And we'd never been through a no pandemic. But what it has showed me is whatever was in us, those that want, and I'm not here, I got no, we have, God is blessing the church. But I want to say this, I watched during that pandemic, people who were looking for an exit made it. I remember when I had cancer in 2017 and I prayed and I knew you were praying for me. I was out of the pulpit for probably four months, six months. When I got back, I was, felt so thankful to be alive. God healed me. It'll change something about you when you've gone through the valley of the shadow of death. It'll bring your priorities together. And I remember when I got back, there were some people who were missing. They left, this ain't to be ne negative, they left when I was down. Didn't have the courtesy to even call me, talk to me. I had prayed for them, I dedicated their babies. I preached their funerals and I was the one that was in the hurt but I found out what I now know some things had to be displaced for me to walk into my purpose he won't waste anything that you've gone through He won't waste it. He will use it. And he said, I'll put my glory on you. I'm not going to put it on house. I'm not going to put it on Chip and Joanna Gaines. I'm going to put it on you. What I could have put in a house, I'm going to put on you. You're going to be the carrier of my glory. That's why you don't fit. That's why your family don't understand you. That's why people think you're too hard and you push too hard. But you've got a call on your life. And if you've lost the call, if you can't remember it, if you can't remember laying on your face before God, then I beg you to get back to that place where you will fall in his arms again. And remember, I'm not of this world. Father, I just ask tonight that you would speak to our heart. On the last service of this year, I don't want to usher in a new year with an old mindset. 
<laughs> I'm not going to make a resolution that I'll break. I'm just going to change my thinking. When the prodigal son found himself in the swine pit, amongst the hog pen, running from his purpose, running from his call, running from his generational lineage, living in the world, living it up. When he found himself about to eat what the pigs were eating, he didn't, he came to himself. He had a moment that he remembered his purpose, his calling. He didn't change his clothes. He changed his mind. And with a changed mind, he came back to his call. But he wasn't the only prodigal. Because when he got home and his daddy received him, the brother who had been faithful, he got offended. And he never came back to the house. Offense. will pull you away from the mighty work of God. They rejected him and they were offended at him. And Jesus said, I can do no mighty work in your life. So I wonder tonight if you would get real with me. And I wonder, I wonder, oh, I wonder, I would almost just lasso everyone in this place and pull you here. But I wonder, if we could have an old-fashioned prayer meeting in this altar tonight, who would be the first to just run up in this place, get to this altar? I wonder if every church member would just get out of their seat and come to this altar. I wonder if it's an, even if it's an inconvenience, even if you say, well, my knees are bad, find you a place to sit up here. I wonder. I wonder if you would displace your uncomfortableness, if you would just displace your feelings for a moment, if you would displace your wants, likes, and dislikes, and just say, Lord, I'm going to displace it right now so that I can really touch you. I wonder if we could just fill this altar, find you a place to squeeze in, find you a, a pocket, find you a place. Get as close to the altar as you can. And let's have prayer meeting. I want you to begin to pray. Don't you wait on anybody else to pray or anybody to pray for you. Do your own praying. Start praying. Crying out to God. Maybe the prayer of your neighbor will inspire you to pray. But pray out of your spirit. Pray out of your spirit, man. Pray out of your spirit and pray and cry out to God. Pray. Pray. Cry out to Him. 
pray till you pray past the place of saying I'm done. Pray past that. <laughs> pray past five minutes. Pray. Pray and linger and pray. It may take you a minute for you to get zoned in, but do it. Do it. Talk to him. Fill this place. Fill this place, Lord. Fill this place. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 